When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Joe and Amber podcast. It's a feel-good Friday right here on Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 80. No Joe, no Amber. Don't know if they're listening to some ESPN Radio show right now with their spouses because apparently their own spouses don't listen to this show, but you've got Courtney Cronin, Aaron Goldhammer, kicking it with you here as always, presented by Progressive Insurance. We're at the end of week one of training camp. There's a whole lot to get to. Updates from Zach Taylor on the injury to Joe Burrow. A stern memo sent to all 30 teams regarding rhetoric on the trade request made by Damian Lillard and his agent, and a social media gaffe that you just can't cringe at enough. Aaron, would your spouse be listening right now? Is she upstairs or is she with Stella making dinner, doing the whole thing that a mom does? She is downstairs with Stella. We ordered Chinese takeout tonight, okay. which is phenomenal. A little Szechuan chicken. What's your go-to at the Chinese takeout place? Big orange chicken gal with white rice. Yeah. Load me up on the carbs. So they screwed up our order. I mean, I, I don't want to call them out, but this, you know, was like a $40 Chinese takeout order because now we're feeding an army over here at our house. <laughs> they screwed up our order and they put in brown rice instead of white rice. Now, I know it's healthier for me, but as long as I'm taking the step to eat the crappy takeout food, like give me the white rice. I, I, I got it. It's like a Chinese takeout staple, I feel like. And I'm, I'm disappointed because I ate my Szechuan chicken really fast. Little a pepper flake went down the wrong tube, caused me to cough, and I'm stuck with the brown rice. So you're dealing with some bad news over there with your Szechuan chicken order. The Cincinnati Bengals, on the other hand, seems like they avoided the bad news with the non-contact injury to Joe Burrow's calf. He had the injury on Thursday in practice, was carted off. There's been some uncertainty on the timeline. So let's hear from Zach Taylor, the head coach of the Bengals, on the latest with Joe Burrow. I'll start with Joe. Um, calf strain. It'll take several weeks, and, and that's the information we got right now. Several weeks taken into the regular season, potentially. Several weeks to several weeks. How much? Great. T- how much time with Joe at camp practice would he need to be ready for you? Joe got more days this July than he's ever had in the NFL, and so I feel really good about the the progress we made during those July practices with Joe. And uh, when he's able to get back, we'll, we'll be able to get the work and we need. Zach, Joe had the compression sleeve on yesterday. Did he mention to you anything about feeling? He, he's always, these guys are always in great dialogue with the trainers and doing always things that they can be to be precautionary. But I, I thought he looked great out there yesterday moving around. So several weeks that could potentially put him in line to be ready for the week one opener, or it could end up being longer than that. But Zach Taylor, the head coach of the Bengals, Aaron doesn't seem to be expressing too much concern, but you can read into that as he's had more time this July than he's had in any other NFL season. Last I checked, they only had like one or two days of practice so far. I don't know what the hell that means. If I was the uh, NFL PA, I might be looking into what the Bengals have been doing in July as a potential violation. Um, Courtney, what does several mean and what does a few mean? Uh, Let me give you my read on this. I I think if it's two weeks or a week, he's day to day. Okay, two to four weeks is 
he's a few weeks away. Four to six weeks is several weeks. Yeah. So I think we're right in that four to six week window. Now, the Bengals open the regular season six weeks from Sunday, where I am sitting right now in Cleveland, Ohio, at Brown Stadium against their division rival, in-state rival Browns. And I think right now, I I don't think Zach Taylor knows yet whether Joe Burrow is going to be ready for that game or not. G- give me a read on the several few and what you take out of what uh, Zach Taylor said. How short he was with his answers leads me to believe that there might be still some uncertainty. Because remember, he, he and I heard this on Get Up from Rob Ninkovich, former Patriots linebacker, how rare it is that a guy has a calf strain and they get carted off. And it makes you think, is it actually worse than the calf strain? He, meaning Zach Taylor, said that, again, it is a calf strain. He alerted people with that yesterday. He doubled down on it again today. But could it be something worse? Because, you, of course, you think Achilles. You think non-contact, something more serious. But we're being told it's a calf strain. I think that he is worried, though, given the history, or at least like some worry here because of what has happened the last couple of years with Joe Burrow in training camp. 2021, his time in the preseason was interrupted because of the medical issue that he had, ACL, MCL in his left, left knee. Last year, the appendicitis that he had, surgery just a couple of days before camp, put him out all of July and August. And right. then they get to the regular season, and he looks like he's got a lot of rust. Looks like he's not exactly seeing things clearly on the field because that first game against Pittsburgh, he throws four interceptions and get sacked seven times I know that Joe Burrow like when you think about does he need the reps is he not is he going to play in the preseason none of that stuff matters but come week one not having time on task not having the ability to kind of get in the motion of the regular season by mm-hmm. doing all the stuff that you normally do in the preseason right. that can be bothersome to even the best quarterbacks in the NFL so I think Zach Taylor is probably thinking okay I don't have him for training camp there's too much risk here we're yeah. going to put him on ice no matter how long this thing takes to heal yep. but having the repeat of last year and knowing that <laughs> one or two games may separate everybody in the AFC I know that's a problem See, I know, and I think there's some pressure on them because of that. I mean, last year they did lose the first two. Uh, They then lost two more games the rest of the entire season. They lost a game on October 31st in Cleveland against the Browns, and then after that they didn't lose again until they went to Kansas City for the AFC Championship game. So they're a team that has proven that what happens in the first two weeks of the season for them doesn't matter, but this is such a tight division, and this starts with a division game. And I just wonder whether it matters. I think Burroughs got to get some practice, Courtney, in before September 10th in Cleveland. And if he can't, then rather than rush, rush, rush him back out onto the field, I don't know. I, I might rather play a fully repped, prepared Trevor Simeon than an iffy, iffy Joe Burrow knowing that I've got 16 more games to go after September 10th. It's a difficult stretch to open up the season at Cleveland Week 1 against Baltimore at home. They do get a little bit of a break here. Rams, Tennessee, Arizona before Weeks 3 through 5 and then ten, uh, before their bye But those first two games, divisional games against big-time division rivals, everybody's expecting them in Baltimore to be up at the top of this division. And Cleveland's a really high-variance team. They could either be at the top of the division or the bottom. Nobody really can figure it out quite yet. And given the history of the way that they've started off the last couple of seasons, knowing, in a way, they feel at the end of the season, hey, had we won one or two of those games that we lost in Weeks 1 or 2, especially last year because every 
everything yeah. went through Kansas City in the postseason. That's it's right. a situation that you end up kicking yourself for. But, of course, the health of Joe Burrow is the number one concern. As Adam Schefter pointed out, don't think that we see him back on the field in the preseason. Don't think we see him back on the field until he signs that contract. Luckily, at least from what we're hearing, this isn't anything ser- more serious than a strained calf. But he's going to want to get a deal done before he yeah. puts cleats on again because of the risk there. And he is going to reset the market at the quarterback position. Justin Herbert will only be the highest paid player in the NFL probably for a couple more weeks. But curious to see about the timing on days. that. Yeah, and curious I, I, to see the timing on when the hold he ends up, up returning. Courtney? Like, why don't they just go ahead and hammer this thing? Like, is are there any points that need to be negotiated? The Bengals are trying to get a, a discount here. Or what? I mean, the numbers should be pretty clear. The numbers are clear. It's one dollar more than Herbert just got. History would tell us that the Cincinnati Bengals don't like to be in this position. They don't like to pay players. They don't like to go above and beyond. Joe Burrow's a different case, though, and they know that they have to. They've known this. This isn't anything new. It will be interesting, though. Does the injury, for whatever reason, end up being a holdup here, pushing this thing back? I'm with you. This thing should have been done before training camp. We will see when that happens. We'll all be keeping our eye on when Joe Burrow gets back. Head coach of the Cincinnati Bengals saying several weeks, however many weeks that is, will be too long without Joe Burrow if you're the Cincinnati Bengals trying to contend for another division title this year and make your way towards defeating Kansas City in the AFC. Joe and Amber. It's presented by Progressive Insurance, insurance for motorcycles, boats, and RVs for protection on the road and on the water. See how much you can save at 1-800-PROGRESSIVE and Progressive.com. Straight ahead, what should we expect from the Tennessee Titans this season, plus an idea that Derrick Henry has that might help running backs even out the market a little bit and get more for what they believe they're worth. And we'll talk about that next right here on Joe and Amber, ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Joe and Amber, the podcast. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more, more than, than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C., Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. In partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI 
to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Training camp in full force. We're nearing the end of the first week for all 32 teams. Some, like the Jets and the Browns, have been in camp now since the beginning of last week because they're playing in that dreaded Hall of Fame game. But it all leads into tomorrow. Back together again weekend across the NFL. It's a fun time that we get to celebrate football truly being back in full force. Joe and Amber right here on ESPN Radio in the ESPN app. Courtney Cronin. And Aaron Goldhammer. And I'm, I'm like already tired from training camp. I know this is probably a really bad sign because we're at the end of week one. And it's a marathon now until, I don't know, February. Um, maybe you can help me out here, inject some you know energy into my veins. I don't, I don't know how these players do it because I was out at Bears camp today and it was hotter right. than hell, Aaron. Uh. I was like, I don't even have – I mean, I'm wearing a gol- my golf outfit out there to try to keep myself cool. cool. So it's, right. um, and you got to hydrate, you know, how many – got to drink a bunch of waters or – Yeah. What, what, I mean, your go-to – maybe a little the caffeine, Courtney, for you is the key. Like okay. I, I just the, – the constant drip would not be a, a bad a bad idea for you. Uh, but it is a long season. I feel like the first week is one of the longer weeks because then you start Slog. to get the uh, – then you start to get the preseason games to break everything up, and then before you know it, you get into season mode. So – that's a little bit different than uh, than being out and watching all the practice. Yeah, since we're since we are still in the first week, we're previewing teams across the NFL with our ESPN Radio two a days. Let's hit it. Hey, let's go do our job, man. NFL Nation two a days. Time is here on ESPN Radio. The Tennessee Titans. Blue fifty eight. Go. This is Teron Davenport covering the Titans. DeAndre Hopkins is the big story for Titans training camp. They were able to add the veteran just before things kicked off, and now what was previously an unproven group of receivers looks a lot more formidable. Ryan Tannehill will have Traylon Burks and Hopkins on the outside, Kyle Phillips in the slot, and tight end Chega Conquo, among other looks. It's really going to come down to how quickly Tannehill and Hopkins are able to develop that chemistry, so practice time will be critical. Joint practices with the Vikings, as well as the Patriots, will give them opportunities to do that. And don't forget, Hopkins played under offensive coordinator Tim Kelly in 2019 with the Texans and caught 104 passes. He's going to need to get the terminology down, but he should be able to hit the ground run. Countdown to kickoff with NFL Nation Two-A-Days on ESPN Radio. All right, so the addition of DeAndre Hopkins, which happened a couple weeks ago, certainly changes the makeup of this wide receiver room. Does it move the needle for you, though, in thinking the Tennessee Titans are going to be anything more than like an eight or maybe nine win team this year? Because for me, it doesn't. I think they're going to be the epitome of above average, maybe just a hair. I think this. I think they have one of the seven best coaches in the NFL in Mike Vrabel. So I don't ever think they're going to like stink. Remember, their season totally came off the rails last year. I mean, their organization really fell apart at the seams to allow the Jaguars to get back in that division. Now everybody's assuming that Jacksonville is going to walk in and win the AFC South. I think the Titans will be annoying and formidable, but do I think they have the ability to become a real Super Bowl contender? You know, their best case scenario to me, Courtney, is probably one of the wild card spots in the AFC. That changes if Will Levis plays and looks awesome. Because to me, if I was them, I I might want to start with Tannehill, but one of my goals for the season, in addition to just winning ball games, 
has to be to get at least a little bit of a picture in how they did with their second round pick, who was expected by many not just to go in the first round, but like the top half of the first round of the draft court. Yeah, they ended up trading up to go get Will Levis. It was a situation that Rand Carthon, their new general manager, decided to spring into action quickly. And you mentioned about them fought like the wheels falling off for this team last year. Ryan Tannehill goes down with the ankle injury, uh, and then Malik Willis, the backup, ends up going one and three in those games where he was not playing. And he looked so, terrible. And he yeah. did. And we will maybe see him. Maybe we won't. We are wondering who's going to be the backup here. But when it comes to Ryan Tannehill, should he be the starter? Should he not be the starter entering the 2023 season? Here's what our good friend Harry Douglas, ESPN radio host, had to say about who's going to be QB1 for the Titans. I do believe Ryan Tannehill will be the quarterback of the Tennessee Titans this season. And I think when you make that move to go get a guy like DeAndre Hopkins, he has to be your quarterback because I seen this team last year with, without him. And I thought a, a few of those games, if he was the quarterback, that they, they would actually won. Had Ryan Tannehill's contract been structured in a way where it wasn't an albatross to either get rid of him via waving him or cutting him or trading him, that yeah. he's not the quarterback of this team anymore. But they have to buy time now to get either a second look at Malik Willis or get Will Levis up to speed enough where he's ready to play. And the only way you do that is having an experienced, good quarterback. He's not great. He's never going to do anything that knocks your socks off. But having Ryan Tannehill fill in until you're ready to turn the reins of this offense over, an offense that has Derrick Henry and yep. DeAndre Hopkins, a very dangerous offense on paper, yep. until you're ready to like have – you know, those two duke it out to see who's going to be QB1. You got to go with Ryan Tannehill to start. To me, the offense still misses A.J. Brown and misses the the impact of a trade that I don't think went well for Tennessee. And we talked about the organization blowing up, right? I think that that really led to a lot of the friction that ended up submarining their season in the end. I would not, Courtney, rule out the idea Levis played a lot of college football, first at Penn State, and then obviously two seasons at Kentucky. He had something like 26 college starts. I don't think Anthony Richardson should be playing early, early, because he has one season of college football under his belt. But if he plays really well, you remember the year where we all thought Matt Flynn was going to be playing for the Seahawks, and all of a sudden they started Russell Wilson? Do you remember when everybody assumed... That Philly was going to sit Carson Wentz for the first year, and then all of a sudden he was out there for week one and actually playing pretty well. So I would not rule out the idea that if he has a big-time camp that Levis could be the guy in a surprise September move right before the start of the season. Well, it's an interesting one to keep an eye on, the quarterback situation in Tennessee. And it's also interesting to see offensively, can Derrick Henry still be Derrick Henry? <laughs> it's weird that we consider the 2022 season somewhat of a down year for Derrick Henry because he was still such an accomplished back, one of the best in the NFL. He rushed for 1,500 yards and 13 touchdowns. Jeez. But the question now becomes, what leverage does he have in part of this running back group to try to force things through for other running backs trying to get paid. It goes beyond what's going on in Tennessee. And he came up with this idea. He spoke about it at training camp today and talked about the theory of, hey, maybe we need to come together to have a summit, to have you know more than just this Zoom call. I believe that he was on it the other day to generate yeah. some of the dialogue, to get the message out there that, hey, they're not happy. I just, I, we're hearing from guys all week. I don't know 
what good or what you know good is going to come out of more of these conversations because until they change the CBA, all this is just nice yeah. in theory and it's nice discourse and, it's, and frankly, it's a venting session. Um, I think that, first of all, Derrick Henry is the MVRB. He's the most valuable running back in the NFL to his team. I think he really shapes the identity of who the Titans are. But I agree with you. I don't know what getting together and doing a summit is really going to Ultimately, they're still making pretty good money, and it's the, one of the most replaceable positions in the league. A summit's not going to change that. You're going to hear some comments later from Colts owner Jim Ursay walking back sort of what he said about Jonathan Taylor as it pertains to the running back position. Straight ahead, seems like we have an official front runner for this running back. and to tell you who that is and where he's going to land next, Joe and Amber. Joe and Amber, the podcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Cronin, Aaron Goldhammer, sitting in for Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, and by telling your smart speaker to play ESPN Radio. Don't care how you found us, just glad that you did. And as always, ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. All right, there's so much to get to tonight in so little time. Now it's time for Sound On, Sound Off to make sure we get all of the day's headlines in the show. They said it, but what did they really mean? What are you trying to say to us? Sound on, sound off with Joe and Amber. Hey, James, what's going on? Hi, everybody. Uh, all right, so let's uh, let's get right into this. Dalvin Cook told the Dan Patrick Show today that he has, quote, about five suitors, including the New York Jets, who he'll reportedly visit on Sunday. And it sounds like they might be the front runners to land the Pro Bowl running back. I think they're pretty high, man. I think I think we're in a position of, of you know, a team that's building something special, and I want to be a part of something special, you know, as a player. And I want to add to just whatever they got going on. So I think the, the possibility is high right now, you know, of, of getting things done. That was Dalvin Cook talking about the Jets on Good Morning Football on the NFL Network today. So, Hammer, it looks certainly sounds like Dalvin Cook is leaning towards signing with yeah. the Jets. Is that the best spot for him? And what does adding him do for that Jets offense? I mean, it is the best spot for him because I think with the new financial flexibility that they have because Aaron Rodgers took a giant pay cut, uh, I think they're the team that probably is willing to pay him the most money. Is it the best football fit for him? Um, sure, I think he could be a little addition to what the Jets have on offense, but I'm not sure that I'd want to add him in my fantasy league because I think Brees Hall is a really good player, and with him in the backfield, I don't know how many carries, how much playing time Dalvin Cook is really going to get. Brees Hall starts training camp on Pup. Remember, he had that ACL tear week seven last year, so maybe it takes him a couple weeks into the regular season to get ready to come back off Pup and play, but... If Dalvin wants to play right away, if he wants to go to a place where he can contend for the playoffs and go further than he's ever gone with Minnesota, then sure. The Jets are a great fit. I still think Miami is going to be where he ends up, though. There's a reason that I just don't buy the whole, oh, I've got five teams that are suitors, because you haven't signed anywhere. 
the price is not going to go magically go up by the time training camp gets into week two and week three and then week four. The offers that are on the table, it's going to end up being you take those offers or you don't. So if Dalvin Cook is holding out for more money, I think he's just kind of wasting his time considering we know what the running back market is. Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs, they couldn't get the long-term deals. So if if money's a thing, I think honestly either of those spots are probably going to pay him around what we saw. You know, guys like Miles Sanders, David Montgomery making free agency. But from a football fit, I like it to start the season, but Brees Hall was offensive rookie of the year. Dalvin Cook ends up becoming, you know – carving out a role for himself, but he won't be the lead guy when Brees Hall comes back. You know, it's funny. When I got to college, this what this reminds me of. Everyone always asked me how many girlfriends I had in high school, and I said, like, five. The answer was, the answer, Courtney, was not five. It was significantly less than five. So just keep that in mind as we evaluate the Dalvin Cook situation. James, what do you have next? Get me out of this, please, before I get in trouble with my wife. Yeah, that was a, that took a weird turn Yeah, there. You, you walked right into that yeah. one. Uh, all right, so uh, Brock Purdy's unlikely road from Mr. Irrelevant to NFC Championship game was derailed against the Eagles in that title game by an elbow injury. Purdy had surgery on the elbow in the offseason and is back in practice now with no restrictions. And he says he's feeling better every day. I mean, there's just some rust I still got to knock off. You know, I haven't, I didn't get any, obviously, reps and OTAs or anything like that with 11 on 11, 7 on 7, whatever. Pace of the game, seeing a defense, dropping back, going through reads. So today it was good just to get out there. I feel like I'm good enough to play an 11 on 11 football. Um, we talked about that when I got back here with uh, Shanahan. And um, basically I told him, I'm like, hey, I feel good enough and confident enough that if I got into an 11 on 11 situation, I can make every throw. So Courtney Purdy's getting back into the swing of things in camp, but the 49ers also have a guy in Trey Lance who they gave up a ton of assets to draft number three overall in the 2021 draft. They also have Sam Darnold, also a former number one overall draft pick, who ultimately ends up being San Francisco's QB1 this season. Uh, It's Brock Purdy for obvious reasons. He was the guy that they rode all the way to the NFC Championship game with after Jimmy G got hurt last year, after Trey Lance got hurt last year. Why would they go away from that? If he's healthy, he He's going to be QB1. The question now becomes, what do you do with Trey Lance? Because he's the number three overall pick from the 2021 draft. You haven't seen too much from him. It was kind of a disaster last year in Chicago, the one full game we got to see from him. But I think that they end up trying to trade him by the deadline this year. I don't Courtney, think he's think, going to be on the roster to end the season. Yeah, I think Purdy starts the season. I agree with you there. But I don't know how long that leash on Brock Purdy is going to be for two reasons. Oh, so reasons. you think that this is going to be met? This was lightning in a bottle, and it's going to all fizzle out here at some point. And, and he has qualified options. I mean, there's still got to be somebody in the Niners that likes Trey Lance. The same operation that drafted him is still there, and he's played like one game. Didn't he get hurt in the opener? So it's it's not like he has a ton of failed playing experience. So I think if Purdy starts and wins, you know, his leash gets longer. But if the Niners were to get off to a slow start with the team they have around their quarterback, I don't think that Kyle Shanahan would hesitate to pull the trigger on making a switch away from the former Mr. Irrelevant in the draft. We know it's a quarterback-proof offense, allegedly. Like, until it's not. But, I mean, we've so- we've seen what happens when there's been switch after switch after switch. If they don't have any health issues and Brock Purdy's able to pick up where he left off in that Philadelphia game, then they're probably the team to beat 
that's not Philadelphia. Like, they're going to be clipping at Philadelphia's heels this year. They are the other best team, so to speak, in the NFC. I just can't see them moving away from Brock Purdy. And even if they – like, their leverage right now with Trey Lance is probably higher for trade value than yeah. it probably has ever been because he's still a relative unknown, kind of like what we've been talking Coming about Coming off a major injury, years. though, I just – can you give me a team that you think would be interested in giving up a draft pick for Trey Lance? No, not right now, but if you call me come October, November, okay. there's always injuries, and we don't typically see quarterbacks get traded at that point, but we did see Baker Mayfield move last year. We yep. saw Sam Darnold move as well, so it is possible, just probably not right now. James, what's next? The Vikings, the the, the Buccaneers maybe. Like there's a, there's a bunch of teams who don't really have a corner. Minnesota's but, a good one. Cuz you know, we don't know. Next year. Right, we don't know what's going to happen with Kirk Cousins. He can go and sit behind him for the rest of the we year. We know Kevin O'Connell's sort of from the same school as Kyle Shanahan, so it wouldn't be that big of an offensive change. Interesting. Yeah, see, my brain's working over here. All right. So, uh I I I love the the the, the take there from uh, Gold I don't know why we're so we're so certain on Brock Purdy. Um, all right, I so, don't know because he went seven and zero as a starter in the regular season. That's fine. Good for him. All is, right, is, yet, are wins a quarterback stat, Courtney? Uh, don't even go down this path. Of oh, me. No. He was a very good quarterback in an offense that doesn't necessarily okay. need okay. okay Steve Young to come back is like the second coming. Anyways, all right. So uh, let's go to the to baseball. The Yankees activated Aaron Judge off the injured list today. And he'll be in the lineup for the first time since tearing a ligament in his right big toe on June 3rd of this season. Here's Judge before today's game. No, I just wanted to get back. You know, it's anytime you're sitting out, even if we were winning and we had an eight game lead in the division or, you know, we were 10 games out of it, you know, I want to be back out there battling with the guys. You know, I want to be there when, you know, times are tough and I want to be there when, you know, we're rolling. So, um, just had to get right. And I think that was the biggest thing is just we had to wait for this thing to start the healing process and then now we're ready to roll. All right, Hammer, Judge's return comes just in time for a weekend series against the AL East leading Baltimore Orioles. But will it be enough to get the Yankees out of the cellar and back into a postseason spot? I don't think so. I just don't think the Yankees are very good. I think they're really expensive and they have a lot of guys that aren't delivering. I think they need a lot more than just Eric Judge mashing home runs back in the middle of their lineup. Um, And I don't know that you can really expect him to come back and then just poof, be the guy that carries your offense for the second half of the season. I think that it's going to take some time for him to acclimate up. Uh, I think the Yankees are closer to last place in this division than they are to first. They're now behind Boston. They're behind Toronto. They're behind Baltimore. They're behind Tampa. And I think all those teams are more talented than them. Two and a half games out of the third wild card spot in the American League for the Yankees. And it's not just Aaron Judge and his absence that's been the problem. This team has no offense. This team's pitching depth is terrible. This team has had like 90 people play in left field this year. They can't get out of their own way, and I know that Aaron Boone has told us they've just got to like keep hitting through it and get through the slump eventually. I think Aaron Judge coming back is great. I think it will be too little, too late in the end for a team that will end up missing the postseason. This is Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio. Courtney Cronin, Aaron Goldhammer holding it down on this Friday evening. Speaking of baseball. Be sure to tune in to an American League East battle this weekend as the Orioles host the Yankees. Coverage of t- coverage beginning tomorrow night, 6.30 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. And Sunday night baseball beginning 6 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app, 7 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. All right, 
Straight ahead here on Joe and Amber, the memo that was sent out to all 30 teams from the NBA, warning of the discourse from Damian Lillard and his agent, Aaron Goodwin. We're going to get you updated to date on that and what it means for a potential trade of Dame coming up next here on ESPN Radio. Joe and Amber, the podcast. It's been 28 days since Damian Lillard publicly requested to be traded away from the Portland Trailblazers, Miami, the destination of choice. And guess what? 28 days later, he still remains under contract with the Portland Trailblazers. Courtney Crown and Aaron Goldhammer kicking it with you on Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio, as always, presented by Progressive Insurance. Honestly, I forgot for a while that this Damien Lillard saga was going on, and I think I was better for it because <laughs> all I've done uh-huh. for the last couple of months on radio and on TV is talk about is he going to be with the Portland Trailblazers? Is he not? Oh, wait, here's a public trade request. Are they going to grant it? Are they going to do right by the player? Do right, right in air quotes because, frankly, they don't owe him anything. He signed the contract. They Nobody forced him to sign a max, and here we are. In the wake of all of this, Aaron, and the NBA putting out a memo because of the comments that Aaron Goodwin, his agent, had said publicly and privately to NBA teams over the last couple of weeks that, hey, if you try to trade for Dame and your name is not the Miami Heat, he's probably not going to be playing for you. And now the NBA is saying there's going to be penalties if anybody follows suit with this sort of threat. Well, I think it's fine for Dame Lillard to have preferences, but I don't know that having signed that contract, he's in position to really make any demands of what he wants from the Blazers. Like, what would he do? Honestly, Courtney, let's say they trade him to Philly, okay? Is he really going to sit out and not play? I mean, if he doesn't, then I think he doesn't get paid at that point. So I, I, I don't know that really he's in a position... Like, what's his leverage here other than trying to make – and I know Dame, I think, is the kind of player that wouldn't want to sit out a season of his whole career, especially if he's scheduled to make 50 or $60 million. I don't know that the NBA needed to come and even say this publicly because I think it's inherent in the situation that while Heat fans want Dame in Miami and the Heat want Dame in Miami, that they actually have to put together the best trade package in order to get the deal done. So if they want Dame Lillard, they've got to go to work. There's no birthright in Miami that says that everybody else's stars just go there to play (laughs) for the Miami Heat because of quote-unquote Heat culture. No. You want Dame Lillard? Put together an adequate trade package, and then maybe Portland will return your phone calls. Well, if you ask the normal host of this show, everybody wants to play for the Miami Heat, and Heat culture is a very real thing, and then Damian Lillard would be a perfect fit, and they're going to win the Eastern Conference. Oh, Oh, wait, Amber's not here, so we don't need to go down that path. But what I I will say this. (laughs) So we know that the NBA, with this reworked CBA that just got pushed through ahead of free agency, they're kind of tired of the whole idea that players can come out and say, trade me! I don't want to play here anymore. I signed a contract. I may be under contract for a couple more years, like Damian Lillard is, with the Portland Trailblazers, but I don't want to be here. And there's this language in the CBA that they can be fined up to $150,000 if they publicly express a desire to be traded according to the new CBA rules. Now, we'll see if the NBA ends up enforcing that or not. I don't think they do. Trade demands are part of the culture of the league. What what is Woj going to do for a living without trade demands? And I know Adam Silver 
postured in a way publicly that he doesn't like them, but it's good for business because movement totally. in this league is good for business. Totally. However, Damian Lillard shot himself in the foot the day that he went on that podcast with Brian Custer and said, I want to go to Miami or I want to go to Brooklyn in the hypothetical trade. This was back during the playoffs. He had this conversation, and then it gets to a point where – They are going all in on this rebuild. They go draft Scoot Henderson. They've got a young core. Damian Lillard doesn't fit there. And he says, trade me. And all eyes now are on the Miami Heat because behind the scenes, that's what he's telling people. That's what his agent is telling teams. Had he not come out and given any indication about where he wants to go, this deal is probably already done because you would have had teams coming out the woodwork to sign a player Mm -hmm. who's coming off one of his best seasons of his career. He's going to be 33 years old this season. You have actual offers. What what point would the Miami Heat have to go give up the the farm, more or less, to go get Damian Lillard knowing he wants to go there? Yeah. They don't have to do that. Portland has no leverage in this either to go and say, okay, well, we're just going to trade Damian Lillard and do whatever he wants to do and do right by the player. They've got to do right by their franchise yeah. and not be selling off a player for a poor deal that's not going to net them the picks they need to continue to this rebuild. I think that what really bothers the other owners and Adam Silver in putting this memo out is the public statements. You know, now, if you want to leak it out to a notable ESPN NBA insider or two, or one of the current fill-in hosts of Joe and Amber, we'll be happy to be your mouthpiece and say this is Damian Lillard's preferred destination. And then everybody kind of knows that there might be some consequences if you don't trade him where he wants to go. But, Courtney, ultimately, like, you said he signed the contract. If he didn't want to sign the contract, he could have gone and been a free agent. And then anybody with cap space could go and sign him. But he wanted all the money. And in exchange for all the money, he needed to show loyalty to Portland. Okay, well, now Portland wants to trade him, and he wants to leave the Blazers, too. Uh, would I get mad if I was Dame and I got sent to the Utah Jazz? Yes, I, I think that is fair. But to limit it to just one team, to say either you send me there to this specific place, otherwise I'm not going, like he doesn't have a no-trade clause. That's what a no-trade clause is for. And if you don't negotiate one in your contract, you can't just invent one out of thin air. Yeah, Bradley Beal was the only player that had one this cycle. He ends up getting traded to a favorable destination in Phoenix. Damian Lillard doesn't have that. No one forced him to sign the max. Here's where I think both parties, the Portland Trailblazers and Damian Lillard, now, kind of need to like have their come-to-Jesus moment. The Trailblazers should have sent him somewhere two years ago when his leverage uh-huh. was even higher instead of killing his leverage by giving him this max deal uh-huh. and making him even more expensive to trade for. And Dame shouldn't have signed the max. And I'm never going to tell a player, don't sign for the money that you want. But if you knew that the writing was on the wall here, and we've known this, they've made it out of the first round one time in the last yeah. seven years. Come yeah. on. You can't tell me that Dame didn't say, see, hey, at this point in my career, I want to go to a place where where I can win, I know at that point I want to go to Miami or go to Brooklyn. And at that point, Brooklyn was a lot different than it is now. So they're in a pickle because they put themselves in this situation. The sure. only way Damian Lillard could get out of this and this memo to even, you know, kind of kind of develop into thin air and all these threats go away, he would have to pull a James Harden. 
he would have to be an ass and end up like being completely un-Damian Lillard-like by uh, saying, get me out of here, I'm not coming to training camp, I'm going to show up overweight, I'm going to like end up being more of a distraction to the franchise right. than the upstanding member he's been for 11 years with right. the Portland Trail Blazers team. Well, the leader of That's Heat culture, him. Jimmy Butler, pulled this with the Minnesota Timberwolves. I remember the day, I think he... He went crazy at practice yeah. and was throwing it to, you know, so it's not just James Harden that has tried to pull that to get the ultimate outcome that they wanted. You know, the, I understand Dame being a little bit frustrated with the Blazers if they told him, look, we got this draft pick, number three pick, we're going to use it to try to get veteran players and get better. And then he feels like they were disingenuous when they then went and realized they were going to get Scoot, uh, Scoot Henderson and changed course. But that's the way the NBA and business works sometimes. Unexpected things happen and plans change. And it, look, if I had to guess memo or no memo, okay, Damian Lillard probably ultimately will end up in Miami. But I respect the Blazers for saying we have no reason to trade him there right now. And you've got to try to find the best package that you possibly can. They're just trying to get the best deal and not just bowing at the feet of Amber Wilson and every other Heat fan that I follow on Twitter. It's all leverage. Right now, Miami has no reason to go give up a bunch of draft capital and players to get Damian Lillard for a price that probably could come down. But if he wants to play in Miami, there's got to be some sort of concession here because at this point, he is going to be locked in with the Portland Trailblazers until further notice. Straight ahead, Sean Payton, you stink. We're getting into that next. Joe and Amber, ESPN Radio. Joe and Amber, the podcast. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. 